Hey guys, my book is out. It is official. You can buy it. You can read it. You can tell your friends about it. Check the show notes for a link to buy it straight from the publisher and avoid um, Amazon and all our friends over there. And uh, today we've got kind of an intense episode because I was a little fired up, not gonna lie. Let's check it out. This is the Gaining My Perspective podcast. And you're hanging here with me, Wendy Cunningham. You're here to get empowered, inspired, informed, and encouraged as we navigate the everyday journey of this crazy life. Stick around, because we're going to laugh, and we're going to learn. And above all else, we're going to gain perspective. Hello, okay, guys. First and foremost, before I dive in today, I want to announce and let you know that my book is officially out and available. I keep forgetting to bring that up. I will link it in the show notes where you can buy it directly from the publisher, which is Westbow Press, or of course you can find it on the Amazon, but I am not an Amazon fan or supporter, and so you are welcome to do that. But you can also just pop on down to the link and buy it directly from the publisher. Either way, doesn't matter. Uh, It's called What If You're Wrong, and it is my journey from atheism to Christianity following my logical thought process and um, my experience over a couple of years. It did not happen overnight, that's for sure. Um, Evaluating all of the tough questions around faith, you know, being somebody that uh, was, you know, my grandmother was an atheist. My mom, I think, would fall somewhere in the agnostic category. And I talk about that, um, those two examples. Um, And, you know, how I kind of attack and, and look at where does faith come from or a lack of faith? Where do your beliefs come from? How how do you wind up as a teenager and as an adult with the beliefs that you have? You know, I, I, I kind of look at that and then I go back and evaluate, okay, so what if you're wrong? <laughs> what if those beliefs that you have as a teenager and into your adult life, what if they're not founded on truth? And how do you know? How do you evaluate that? How do you critically think through what you believe and where the holes might be. I talk about the various questions like why do bad things happen to good people? What about the Big Bang? What about evolution? How does that all fit in? I look at all those things. It's um, not a long book. It's uh, a short read, quick read. Um, If you know me, you know that there's lots of funny bits and uh, you know I've been told that you can really hear my voice in it. So I'm excited to share that with you all, and I hope that you read it, and I hope that you email me and tell me all your thoughts about it. Can't wait. Okay, so let's talk a little bit in light of our dear president's um, congressional address. Uh, Oh, I just, I've kind of been avoiding, I don't want to say avoiding, but just circling around this topic um, for a little while, talking about my experience at... um, in DC on January 6th of 2021, you know, the, according to our president, the site of our, of the worst attack on our country and on our democracy in the history of the world since the civil war, I think he said, um, it was so important to him to talk about because, you know, he actually started his address talking about January 6th and he ended it. So if it's a book, 
if it's a um, a bookend topic for him, then I suppose I should talk about it. I suppose we should talk about it. And maybe you've already sensed in my voice and in the cadence of my speech right now that this just elicits feelings for me. This is, um, it was such a pivotal point in my life and experience. I'm so glad I was there. So glad I was there. And let me just be clear before anybody wants to make any assumptions, I broke zero laws. I did nothing wrong. I did not walk into the Capitol. I did not do any of those things. But I want to talk about it because if this is such a big issue for our president, if this is the worst attack on our country since, you know, the Civil War, my goodness gracious, then we got to talk about it. And you may or may not know someone who was actually there, but you know me, and I was there. And you certainly know someone who has an opinion about it, and I know you have an opinion about it. Um, but what's funny about our opinions, especially these days, is that they're heavily influenced by who we get our information from. And because we get so much of our information from the media, and the media is so riddled with propaganda and so armed with their bias and their, their weaponizing narratives against us, y'all, I just wanted to share my perspective and my experience as someone who had my feet on the ground that day, okay? So first and foremost, let's talk about let's talk about my experience and then we'll dive into some of the misconceptions around this day so that you guys can have at least a different perspective, an alternative story and you can chew on it and you can think about it and you can figure out, you know, what's what's what. So I went um and I kind of explained this a little bit in other podcasts and in a blog that I wrote about this event. And I'll link the, the blog in the show notes also so you can read. I wrote about it shortly after um, January 6th. I wrote about my experience. So it was much more raw and um, you know fresh in my memory when I wrote that blog. So definitely check that out. Now, of course, we know how the election went. Uh, shenanigans. And this is not something that is a... I know that you know, the media would have you say this is a fringe conspiracy theory that there was shenanigans going on in our election. But as we speak, Arizona is auditing this election. Um, we should know the results of that, you know, very in-depth forensic audit soon. I'm, I'm excited. I'm excited one way or another because either the fraud will be exposed or it won't. And we can have more confidence moving forward in our elections, at least in Arizona. And now Georgia, of course, has passed legislation. There's lots of legislation being passed in states all over the place. I think there is good that has come out of it. But let's be honest, it was not cut and dry. It was not a cut and dry election. And oh my gosh, my preference would have been that Biden really did win in a landslide. Oh, how I wish that would have happened. That it was clear that there was no issues, that there was no suspicion. And don't even like I have I have such an in-depth blog. I'll link it on um, all the different resources that gave me pause in the various six, seven states that were challenged. Um, there's so much. So don't tell me that I just like fell for it and I'm like buying into conspiracies. Like I've done so much digging on this. All this to say, this is why I found myself in Washington, D.C. on January 6th. Not because I planned to, you know, storm the Capitol. Not because I was in any way thinking that a violent protest was going to erupt. 
Um, I went there to for two really important reasons. Accountability to my elected officials that if they are going to do something shady, which at that time, January 6th, let me remind you, moving into this day, you guys, we had dual electors sent for for seven states. So Congress is meeting to vote on January 6th and for like one of a handful of times in our entire nation's history have we had the issue of dueling electors as we go to count the votes for the electoral 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 college only a handful of times in our whole history have we had a situation like we had on January 6th they were not just coming to work that day to do a just casual vote like this was a highly contested election we had tons of uh court cases open pending things were making its way through the court system we still do and i actually included in that blog the result of many of those court cases did not go the way that the media portrayed them to have gone so this was this was a highly contested election Election integrity was the reason I found myself, number one, was holding these elected officials accountable for doing the right thing, hearing the voices of their constituents. And if you recall, there was about, oh man, a a dozen or so senators, gosh, there could have been more, I can't even remember now, that were going to stand up and, and contest and open up the floor for debate. Um these dueling electors on these uh, seven states. And uh, uh, over a hundred House members were meant to stand up and contest this. So this was going to be a massive historical event and I wanted to be there. I wanted to make sure that it played out in the way that the Constitution protects it playing out. And I don't mean I, wanna, I wanted to make sure like I had any kind of violent aspirations, my goodness. I wanted to stand outside the building so that they knew there are people out there that are counting on us to do the right thing in here. They elected us to do the right thing in here. And I did hope that hundreds of thousands, if not millions of people would show up to do the same thing. And I was so excited to see that that was the case. The other reason I went is to pray because I believe in communal prayer. I believe in the power of prayer. I believe in stretching out hands and, and praying at the spot, praying intercession over Uh, what would happen in that building, strength, courage. I believe in praying for those things. And so I went for those two reasons, for election integrity and to pray, okay? Those were the reasons I found myself. And as I talked, so let me just back up for a second. So late to the game on the Trump vote, decided maybe two weeks before election that I was going to vote for Trump, did vote for Trump, watched the election happen the way that it happened, got super obsessed, watched all of the Senate hearings, all of them live on TV, listened to the witness testimony, read the affidavits, looked at the studies, the statistical anomalies, read the various reports that came out, heard it for myself, didn't listen to what the media said I was supposed to think about these reports. There's someone in my life who says that often, that the news is there to tell you what to think about things. O-M-G. Please do not be that person that waits for the news to tell you what to think. Oh my goodness, please don't be that person. 
So I was not that person. I wanted to think my own thoughts. I wanted to look at the information, my own self, as my kids would say, my own self. And I wanted to weigh my own opinions, and I did. And it led me to, my husband and I separately found ourselves very convicted that we needed to be there on January 6th. It was not easy to go. We have three children. Uh, We live about 11-hour drive away from D.C., but we made the drive. We went. We arrived the day before. Um, We were there with some other friends that came from California. Um, There was a number of of people I knew that were there that I didn't get to see in person, but there were a few that I walked with together. We got up very early in the morning. It was one of the coldest days of my life, people. Oh my gosh. I literally actually thought my feet and legs may have frostbite at the end of this. I think it was 30, 30 degrees, 32 degrees with wind the entire day. That was the high. <laughs> it was so cold, overcast, no sun. I had on so many clothes. Um, there was no bathrooms. I, I mean, it was, and it was fantastic. It was fantastic. The energy, the praying, people are just evangelizing to the crowd. Um, every speaker came up on the stage. I would say most speakers came up on the stage and prayed. Um, There was worship music playing. This was a spiritual event. And I don't mean, I'm not even going to get into Christian nationalism and what, you know, that accusation, because of course you want to see the values that you hold reflected in your nation. Of course you do. I do, you do. So don't accuse someone of being a Christian nationalist just because they were excited to see their values being portrayed in in a a way, you know, in in this way. I wasn't there on January 6th because I think that the United States should be, you know, run through the Bible first. I mean, of course I do. I would love that. But that's not why I was there because I'm trying to bring the nation over to a certain value set. I am a libertarian. You have individual rights. You can believe whatever you want. And I, I would not require that the state would enforce something on you that I believe as long as you don't require the state to enforce something on me that you believe. Okay. That's kind of just a nutshell of a libertarian right there. So I was excited to see that other believers were there. And as I had conversations with people, as I stood there from about 630 in the morning, when it was still dark out, standing outside of the white house, um, I, as I had conversations with people in the crowd, they were all there for those same reasons. They felt the election had been stolen. Not that uh, there were, no one was there with any violent intentions. No one that I spoke to was riled up in a spirit of anger. We were there excited. We were there patriotically. And we waited from about 6.30 in the morning until the president finally came on to speak at around 12.30, um, right around noon. Um, And there was a couple of speakers before him, including Rudy Giuliani, of course, uh, Trump's sons, um, his daughters-in-law. It was great. It was a beautiful day. I felt so inspired and encouraged, both spiritually, but also as as an American. You know, I, I just felt really, I felt unity. How funny is that? We're just still talking about lack of unity and division in our country. I felt unity after a year, 2020, of feeling isolated and separated and cast apart, etc., right? So it was an amazing event. And after the president spoke, we walked to the Capitol and we the whole crowd left somewhere after, oh gosh, 
Um, of course, I would say the majority of the crowd left around 1.30. Um, I'm trying to remember, I think my first photographs with the Capitol in them were around two. That the insurrection had already started, apparently. <laughs> it had already, the Capitol had already been breached before any of us who were there to protest the election even arrived. Now, if you are not familiar with all of the other information about uh, BLM and Antifa being a part of this and being in the crowd, that's a piece of the story. But I don't mean to excuse the fact that there were absolutely just innocent Trump supporters that got carried away. Absolutely. And it's unexcusable. I do not condone violence. That's not why I was there. That's not why 99.9% .9 of people were there. Actually, a very small percentage of people went in the Capitol. And I will tell you, as I was, as I was looking at the Capitol in the distance, um, there was a moment where I could tell that something happened. The cheer, there was a, a cheering in the crowd and I could tell that the people were going up the stairs. Um, but I was so far away and I couldn't tell what that meant or that I couldn't even tell if they weren't supposed to be doing that. Um, and as we got closer an hour or so later, because we were just kind of taking our time in the mall, making calls, checking social media, taking pictures, praying with people, singing with people. I had an amazing moment with a stranger who was holding a sign, Jesus 2020, and I took his picture and we, we sang a worship song together just in the grass there, impromptu, just me and this stranger from Orange County. Um, so as we finally made it to the Capitol, this, it was kind of the same as it had been an hour before. I could tell that people were up on the steps. There were certainly people on the risers that were there in preparation for the inauguration. I knew they probably weren't supposed to be up there, but I didn't see any sort of police presence that made me feel like something was going wrong. Now, mind you, by the time I got up to in front of the Capitol, Ashley Babbitt had already been shot and killed. Okay, so the, the people had already gone into the Capitol and someone had already been shot and killed. And I didn't I would have never guessed that that had happened, that people were inside that building based on the energy of the crowd, based on the um, experience of the police that I saw. We were not hearing sirens. I did not see a swarming of police presence at any point. There was no attempt to disperse the crowd. There was no attempt to break up any groups. No, nothing. Never saw pepper spray. I mean, I when I got back to the hotel and I was outside of the Capitol for two hours, well after the time, that this Capitol was breached and that Ashley Babbitt had been shot. Well, after, by the time we, we made our way back home, it was about four o'clock. So I was there for hours experiencing an insurrection. Did you know that you can be in a place where the worst attack on our country is taking place since the Civil War and not even know it's happening? Did you know that that's possible? Because I was there standing out front of that building not even aware that a insurrection was taking place. Now, let's put this in context, you guys. And I'm not, again, my point is not to minimize the fact that people went into that building and they weren't supposed to. That is a law. And the, the reason why there has not been a ridiculous outrage over Ashley Babbitt is, you know what? When you break laws, we know there are consequences. And I knew going January 6th, there, I could be hurt. There could be a fight. 
I might get caught in the middle of a fight. I, you know, I just knew there are, I am weighing the fact that there are consequences. Now, the second you walk into that building, you have to know in your head, I am now taking my life into my own hands. Come to find out after the fact, and this is again, not a conspiracy. This is very well documented. You could walk in. There was not, yes, people broke windows and broke and and caused damage to the building. That is true. But you could walk in the Capitol that day. You were allowed to. I never crossed over a single barricade. I, I did not go into the Capitol, but I never saw evidence that there was barricades that had been breached to get into the Capitol. I watched video live on C-SPAN, actually, of people being walking in an organized roped line, Trump supporters with flags and such, walking, not running, not fighting, not breaking, walking in between ropes, being let into the Capitol. Now, of course, you're not allowed to go in Nancy Pelosi's office and take a a selfie. You're not supposed to go into the Congress actual meeting room and do whatever they did in there. Of course, that's all ridiculous. It's ridiculous. It's ridiculous. You're not allowed to do those things. (laughs) But there there is so many lines here that have been drawn that were not actually lines that day. No one broke in to the Capitol because it was so well barricaded. You've got to tell me that on the day of the most contested election in our history, the day that Congress is voting on that, that there's not more police presence and more security on that building than any other day of our nation's history in Congress? You're trying to tell me that that is not the most secure building in our nation that a bunch of just hooligans were able to get in? Be very easily before even the majority of the crowd showed up. Come on, I just don't buy it. <laughs> and this is such a vicious attack. Okay, of course Congress is escorted out of their ch- you know the chamber and and go in their underground tunnels and whatever. Such a vicious attack, such a dangerous insurrection that just a few hours later they come back into that same exact building and do their business. Just a few hours later, it's clear. They found bombs and everything else in that building. And just a few hours later, it's okay. It's safe. It's perfectly fine. Windows are broken. Doors are broken down. It is such a violent insurrection of such an attack on our country that you can just come right back in. You can just come right right back in, feel perfectly fine and safe just a couple hours after that, that that building is just able to be secured after the most violent attack on our democracy since the Civil War. Just takes a couple hours to clear that out, huh? I just, I'm not proposing conspiracy here, guys. I'm offering perspective from someone who was there that I am so tired of hearing that this is the most vicious thing that's ever happened in our country when the only person who died in connection to this event was Ashley Babbitt, who was an unarmed woman shot by a police officer. The only person to die. Now, please don't tell me you have not heard (laughs) that the officer, the Capitol Police officer, who is meant to have been killed that day, please tell me that you have heard that that is no longer true. His name is uh, Sicknick, Brian Sicknick supposedly died from injuries that he suffered during January 6th. Well, that just was debunked just this week, actually, April 23rd. I'm reading an article here. 
the Capitol Police are uh, asked why they claimed that Sicknick died from injuries suffered during January 6th Capitol breach. Why did you claim that when the medical examiner has found no evidence, I read, of either internal or external injuries and concluded that Sicknick died from natural causes after suffering two strokes? Zero connection to January 6th. So Brian Sicknick, the police officer that was supposedly attacked and killed by Trump supporters on that day, did not in fact die from any injury sustained from January 6th. So the only person to have died was actually a Trump supporter who was shot by a police officer in the Capitol. Two other people died. So these were Trump supporters that came and had medical emergencies while there, not in the Capitol, on the grounds earlier in the day, on the grounds earlier in the day not related at all to the actual breach of the Capitol. So now that we've swept aside all the smoke and mirrors around who was actually injured and killed during this vicious, violent, the most violent attack on our our democracy since the Civil War, now that we've wiped away all that, can we just say that this is perhaps equal to, but not more so violent, than the ongoing riots that have been going on for dang near a year now? Can we say that these are maybe equal? January 6th is in no way more vicious than the billions of dollars of damage that has been spread across this nation during these riots. All over the, all over the nation in multiple cities, right? People have lost lives. People have been shot. Both protesters, police officers have been beaten. They've shot each other. It's just, it is chaos. And that is not compared in any way to a vicious attack. January 6th is so much farther out there that our president needs to start and end his first time talking to the country with that event, upholding that event as this outrageously vicious attack. I'm just done with that. I'm done with that garbage, guys. Let's, let's, let's get real. Let's at least talk about things the way that they actually are, the way that they actually happened. Now, I have lost, I don't know how many friends. I couldn't even imagine how many friends, how many people no longer speak to me simply because I was there or even because I voted for Trump, right? And I, I made that known. <laughs> and I don't regret it. But I cannot continue to walk in this ridiculous narrative. The people who have been arrested on January 6th for causing no bodily harm to anybody are being held in solitary confinement even now, having been convicted of no crimes, just being charged People are being held in solitary confinement that were arrested on that day and after that day. There, that is, I have not heard that one time from someone having been arrested for rioting over the summer. You guys, we have got to be honest and look at this honestly, or we're never going to actually be able to see truth through this smoke and mere garbage. All right. Obviously, this is a heated subject for me. Obviously, this is... I'm, I just, I feel so blessed because I was able to see what happened that day. I know that there is, there are very few people who actually saw with their eyes 
what went down and what absolutely did not go down. What absolutely did not go down that day. And the nation has been whipped into a frenzy and there is a God knows how high barbed wire fence around our nation ever since, around our nation's capital ever since because of this event that I watched with my own eyes happen. And I got to tell you, we are being pumped full of propaganda around this. We are being, this has just been hijacked. And so long as we keep letting it, it will continue to be a tactic of manipulation used against us. Please, guys, please use discernment. Open your eyes. I'm so happy to answer any questions or talk about anything more directly. If you want to email me, Wendy Cunningham at protonmail.com. Shoot it over. Happy to talk about it. I hope this broadened your perspective, guys. Hey, guys, thanks for listening. Don't forget to rate this podcast and tell all your friends. And of course, catch me over at gainingmyperspective.com. Dear Heavenly Father, we pray today and every day for clarity, for discernment, so that we can better hear you and know you and be guided and led by you alone, Lord. We just pray for the veil to be lifted, for truth to be revealed, for light to shine in the darkness, Lord. We just pray that again and again, that your light, your truth would be revealed and it will shine on all this crazy darkness, Lord. It is in your son's name that we pray. Amen.